U.S. men's national team got pounded by Belgium the other night. Game against Germany coming up this weekend. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. Always with me is Ivis Galarsev. How you doing, man? Doing pretty well, Garrett. I'm uh, back in Jersey. Uh, got back from Cleveland this morning uh, after the USA-Belgium debacle in Cleveland. And uh, I'll be home for a day. And then I'm off on 95 South uh, to D.C. for USA-Germany on Sunday. How was your stay, man? I, I th- you're going to all the U.S. men's national team games in this cycle, right? I will be at every game except the Jamaica game. Uh, I couldn't make it to that one. But I will be in Seattle, and I will be in at Salt Lake City for, for those qualifiers. Yeah, r- rumors have it that I might be up in Salt Lake with you for that game. Yeah, you know, if we uh, if you can make it up, we'll, we'll actually have our first, our first uh, you know, SBI show together in the same place, so that, that that'll be kind of a momentous occasion. I know this may be shocking to everyone, but thanks to the power of technology, Ivis and I have actually never met. We've we've always done this show just uh, off of Skype. We make the most funniest faces to each other. It's hilarious. I, I tell you what, I couldn't pick Garrett out of a police lineup um, <laughs> unless you know, unless Alexi Lawless was in it. Then I might stop it. That stop scared. it, oh, dude. I'm like maybe like three feet short and Alexi Lawless. That's that's the biggest that's problem true. right there. Yeah. That's true. Um, but uh, Ivis, we have a really good show lined up today. Really, I mean, we we have tons to talk about. Um, we'll try to keep this under an hour. Everyone, we apologize for the last show, but Ivis and I sometimes get going. We just love to talk soccer. I mean, Ivis, trust me, this show is long. Ivis and I talked even before and after the show. Uh, but for today, we're going to talk about the MLS action this weekend. We're going to preview the games, talk about the U.S. Open Cup, major MLS headlines, and of course, tons to talk about with the U.S. men's national team. Ivis, let's look at the game. Belgium won 4-2, to but I think it was a very convincing 4-2 to victory for Belgium. Uh, thoughts on the game? What do you take away from it? Well, you know, it, it was obviously not uh, not a great night for the U.S. team. Uh, you know, before anyone gets too crazy, and, and as as you know, and I think as a lot of people who, who a lot of people who follow the show, uh, the site and follow me know, I'm, I'm not one to get too crazy about any results, particularly a friendly. Um, try to put them in perspective and not not get into the whole fire skies falling thing, but. It was definitely a, a, not a, a good performance, and, and there were quite a few players who had good opportunities to, to improve their place on the U.S. national team and uh, you know state their case for more playing time for bigger roles. And uh, a lot of guys really came up short on that front. Uh, that being said, uh, you know I don't think it's the end of the world. Uh, I don't think anyone should start freaking out now about the U.S. and their qualifying chances because, listen, folks, Belgium is good. Oh, yeah. Look at their lineup. Look at their players. They are legit. Well, when you when you look at this game, Ivis, I, I think you know. Let, let's look at the positives from this game. I, I thought Demarcus Beasley did pretty well at left back. What do you? What do you? How would you? What do you? What do you put him at? Well, I tell you what, there weren't many positives well, from the I'm game try, overall. I'm trying to be optimistic, uh, man. Come on, we're going to it. Well, listen, Germany uh, all, all you need to know is how few. All you need to know about how few positives there were in this game is the fact that someone at the press conference after the game asked Jurgen Klinsmann to give three. Uh, positives to take away from the game, uh-huh. and he gave the funniest smile and smirk, like, "Really, I got to give you three? So, I mean, I think he, even he, at that point, was able, was kind of acknowledging that there just there weren't weren't a lot of uh, silver linings on this on that dark cloud of a game. But you know, there were a few. Yeah, there were of- a few. Um, we can talk about Beasley. I thought Beasley did well. I know some people will nitpick and say, "Oh, he got beat here and there," and he, because you know, that, that's the thing that that I always find funny is that, mm-hmm. listen, if a guy is up against a high level team, and we're talking about some some quality attackers, some you know, you're talking about Christian Benteke, Romelu Lukaku, I mean, high level guys. If you get beat here or there, that all doesn't all of a sudden mean you're not good or you're not doing or you're not you know 
of making other good plays. But it just seems like some people, you know, that's what stands out in their minds. For me, I thought Beasley was the best defender of the back line for the night for the U.S. So uh, he, he, that was a positive. I thought Stuart Holden's cameo, even though it was only for nine, ten minutes, uh, it was positive. I mean, obviously, you know, it's his first game in more than two and a half years for the U.S., um, and he didn't look out of place. And, you know, I, I know you can say Belgium was, you know, they probably put their, took their foot off the pedal because the game was kind of over. But he still, you know, he looked good. He looked aggressive. He he, put, he kept passes simple, and did a pretty decent job showing kind of a glimpse of what could be to come uh, on that front. And, and and as far as other other things, I think you some people might look at Jermaine Jones. And I'll tell you what, when I first watched when I watched the game that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jermaine Jones kind of stood out to me because uh, you know he obviously he, he does what he does you know he 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 doesn't back down he, against you know big competition big opponents you know he'll he'll get stuck in he'll he'll put in the hard challenges um, to try to break things up but at the same time if you watch that game again or you know I, I was able to try to you know watch some of it today um, he does kind of he leaves his teammates out to dry a little because you know he's a guy who just runs around and almost kind of loses shape. You know, he loses well, his place I, on that, the field. That's the importance of having Michael Bradley though to pick up those spots, right? Well, see, that's the thing though. It, it, the question now then becomes, you know, do you, you know, at, at what point does it become? Does he become a liability? And at one point, the the, the someone, whether it's Jurgen or I don't know, so, I guess it has to be Jurgen. At what point does Jurgen tell him, "Listen, Jermaine." You have to have a little more discipline in your positioning and, and not freelance and roam all over and leave, leave gaps for your, your teammates to get exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have a little more discipline. And, and I think, at the, you know, last night he, you know, he, he, he made a lot of plays, right? He, he, he stepped up when needed on, the, you know, good, good moments there. But at the same time, there were a lot of times when he put himself out of position. Sasha Kleshton, I know, I know – a lot of people wanted to see if he could create, if he could come in and be a creator in the middle. Yeah. And, and I think maybe the expectations were a little too high on what was to be expected from him on the night. If you went into it expecting him to be a playmaker, to like create chances, to lay off passes, uh, of course. They, he, you, know, you look at that game and say, yes, it was disappointing. He didn't do that. Um, but, I mean, I, I think that might have been a little unfair because he actually did a lot of work defensively. He did cover for Jermaine Jones's, you know, free-roaming uh, attacks and free-roaming, uh, you know, forays all over the field. He, he, he covered for that quite a bit. So, uh, uh, you know, on second, on second viewing, I think maybe Kleshton's game wasn't quite as bad as some might think it was. Does that mean now he's going to have a chance to start in future games? I'm not sure I'm going to go there either. I don't know if he did enough on that front, but I think he did enough that Klinsman has to look at it and say, you know what, if I need him in a pinch, if I need to put him in, if anything happens, if someone, you know, if Michael Bradley or Jermaine Jones gets suspended for yellows, uh, you know, I can call on Sasha. Like you said, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of anything else from this game. we got to talk about the defense. The That's, defense well, yeah, exactly. did not get the job done. And, 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 again, to be fair, Belgium is so stacked. Romelo Lukaku is a freak of nature. We're talking about a guy who has like who looks like a you know a college power forward, but who has who's but who's quick as a cat and also has is also really technical. So I mean he's just a triple threat and and he he really tore apart uh, the U.S. defense. And then you got Christian Benteke coming in. Oh yeah, and and just adding that much more of, uh, of an attacking element. And then obviously their midfield did really well. Whether it's Fellaini, Stefan Defour. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, like the, you know, they they really Morales from Everton, who obviously scored a goal. Um, Tim Howard's teammates scoring on him in the game. Uh, they they just it, it was just so much to deal with for the U.S. defense. So you you know you have to kind of 
put it in some perspective. But how, that how, being said, some guys just did, didn't look good at all. And Omar Gonzalez did not look good at all. Clarence Goodson didn't look good. Jeff Cameron had his moments, but defensively looked a little shaky. So, you know, um, if you're Jurgen Klinsmann and you, you wanted to use this game to really see mm-hmm. what was up with these guys defensively, this particular unit, you, you know, you, you, you have to come away sh- uh, scratching your head a little and wondering maybe these aren't the guys for these particular positions. Um, also, Benteke scored on Guzan, so you had a little club club guy scoring on the other guy in that game in both halves. Um, but Omar Gonzalez, though, I, I, I mean, I think we can all agree that, he, yes, he's a very talented center back, but... We've now, I mean, he's now almost going to have a label of a guy who's just going to have mental mistakes. And we've seen this now, not consistently, but in a couple games that where it's led to goals. We've seen this now twice, Ivis, in games of this year. You know year. what? I'll tell you what. I think you actually can say consistently. Can we, can we say, can you can we say, say it? it this year. You can say it this year. I, not I, just national. I don't, I don't want to go there yet. Maybe one more time. No, I'll go there. no, that's, no, I'll, that's I'll go completely one more. fair. If you're talking about from February in the Honduras game. Into the MLS season. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, he did well again in the, in the two March qualifiers. There's no denying that. He did well in the snow and, and against Costa Rica, mm-hmm. and that game really suited him perfectly because that's all you could do in that game is really play long balls, and he and it was it just played right into his strengths, right? So you really, you know, Costa Rica couldn't play the ball on the ground, so that that's that's where really he gets exposed. Um, the Mexico game, I thought he did really well, but I also think Matt Beisler was for, in that game a really good complement, yes, uh, to play alongside him because you know Beisler was pretty quick. Uh, he's very, very good positionally. Uh, so, so Gonzalez wasn't really put in spots where he was exposed. When he is put on in spots where it's one on one or where he's exposed in space, that's when his decision making gets a little suspect. And it's happened in MLS this year. Uh, there's definitely been at least three or you know three or four uh, games where yes, there's been a key play that he's either fallen asleep or just got beaten on flat out. Um, so be- when you take those and you take Honduras game and now you take this game where he had a couple of just clear blunders, um, you have to say he's not playing at his best. And yes, you know, Belgium's a great team, but he has been doing this now. He did it. Obviously, we know the Honduras game, you know, on the game winning goal where he fell asleep. Um, so that I mean, at a certain point, you have to ask yourself. Uh, if you're Jurgen Klinsmann, like, uh, can I take this chance? Can I, can I, you know, g- give him the starting role, or do I have to think mm-hmm. about a, a Jeff Cameron, Matt Beisler, center back tandem? Well, Ivis, uh, let's move uh, to the forward position. Not, not really much out of there. Josie Altador misses out on a golden opportunity in the fifth minute of the game, and then kind of really disappeared after that. And there really wasn't that much else. The the one goal, congratulations to Jeff Cameron for scoring that header first as a U.S. Men's National Team player. Um, but the attack, though, Ivis, was once again non-existent and really not there. Right. I mean, the, you know, Belgium clearly, you know, had the U.S. on their heels. Um, so it wasn't an easy uh, situation uh, for them to deal with. But, you know, they, they still had the ball. They still had opportunities that where, you know, at the end of the day, they just, the movement wasn't there. The off-the-ball movement. Um, the passing. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't as if Belgium uh, was putting unbelievable pressure, ball pressure on the U.S. and not allowing them to to create. It, they they had. There were a lot of opportunities where they had the ball, but they just couldn't put the final pass together. They couldn't find the the, the teammate. They couldn't hit the cross well. Um, and that and that is and that's definitely got to you know. There's a got to be a cause for concern there. Um, Brad Davis was given a chance to start. And, uh, you know, t- I talked to him after the game and he thought he did well. And, uh, you know, I had I had to tell him what straight out. I was like, you know, 
I, I don't think I don't think a lot of people did well. And for me, I, I didn't think he stood out. I don't I don't think he, you know, he had a couple moments. But you know, when you talk about that left wing position being up for grabs, it wasn't a game that anyone. I, I can I I don't know anyone, but I know I can't. Well, I'll speak I'll speak for myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't come away from that game thinking, you know, Brad Davis looks like he's the guy, like he's the answer on the left wing for the U.S. I didn't get that vibe at all. Um, and that's, you know, that it's unfortunate uh, for him because, I mean, I, I don't know if and when he'll get another opportunity like he got in that particular game because, you know, now when you have, uh, you know, Fabian Johnson coming back and now you have Johnson and Beasley and Castillo, Edgar Castillo, you know, maybe maybe now Jurgen Klinsmann has to seriously consider Fabian Johnson on the left wing uh, because, you know, he needs someone dynamic on the flank. He needs someone with some real speed. Graham Zussi, I'll give him credit. Like he hustles like nobody's business. He is pretty quick. You know, I know some. You know, some people think he's slow. I would not say Zussi is slow, but speed is not his forte. It's not like the, one of the top things that stands out about him. But I think Fab- Fabian Johnson. You put him on the left wing. I think he can give you that. Um, but but yes, I thought that didn't he that didn't work out. I, I thought Sasha question. Uh, again, you know, he didn't have that opportunity uh, or, he, well, he didn't take advantage of the opportunity because even he said himself that, you know, he, uh, Klinsman wanted him to be, you know, try to get involved in the attack and he just didn't. He just didn't get involved enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were times when he had the ball, he looked around and he couldn't find the pass to make. And part of that, you know, it's not all on him. Obviously, the, the teammates have to be moving around. There's got to be good, uh, good, you know. Uh, structure in the attack, some some, some, some to give te- give guys options when they have the ball. There just wasn't enough of that. And Josie Altidore, it wasn't a good game by any by any measure. It was not a good game. I mean, he played forty five minutes. He wasn't he wasn't fit uh, to, to go more than that. Apparently, that was the word from us from, from Klinsman was that you know he was tired. He was real tired. So you know that was one of the things we talked about on the last show uh, is is how fit will he be. Uh, coming off of uh, the break that he had, because uh, you know he had a couple weeks off. But so. I, why, why do I feel like this is why, it's just deja vu? Didn't we have this conversation? When did we have this conversation like, last? Uh, what about him not yeah, being him, fit? Him, him t- yeah, taking time off and then coming into camp not fit. When when was this? It wasn't this like a like six, well, it happened six, a year ago. Yeah, it was, was that what it was? Although it was it was like well, last year the, what happened was you know the team. His club team did not allow him to go to a camp that the U.S. had. They wanted him to get rest, and he took it too literally. And he went and you know he you know yeah. partied in South Beach and and didn't work out as hard as he as hard as he needed to. And this is Klinsman's own words. Klinsman said that Klinsman said that he just didn't he he, he didn't approach it properly. Uh, the time that he had to be on his own, he didn't he didn't whether it was hire a personal trainer or hire someone to really work with him to keep him fit I, I don't this year I, you know it's just the first game um i'm not ready to say oh he's he's washed up now or he or his fitness is yeah. blown um it was a hot night and, and it was warm night and hot night in cleveland you could see if it's his first action in two weeks he really wasn't fit then you know that's fine but he's i mean if anything these that's what these games are for to get to to help get him back to where he needs to be i tell you what though one person who did take advantage of this mm-hmm. was eddie johnson and eddie johnson came on in the second half and really showed some energy, really showed some attacking quality. And there's something to be said for the fact that, hey, here's a guy who's in, se- in season. Mm-hmm. He's in midseason form. He's, you know, he's been playing games. He's been scoring goals. He's got some confidence. And you saw that. You saw that when he came on in the second half. And he's going to tell you what, man, Eddie Johnson is going to state a real 
make a real case for starting, whether it's at forward or whether it's on the left wing. Uh, Eddie Johnson, it, it, when you talk about, you know, there's only been, there were only a few, few bright spots in that U.S. game, and he, I'd say he was one of them. Well, the, I mean, also the U.S. is run into a Belgium team that is uh, in, in, in a World Cup qualifying. Uh, they're five, they have five wins, one draw, and they've only given up one goal. So like you said, this Belgian team is incredibly strong. I mean, we witnessed that watching the game. But not that I want to be a Debbie Downer here, Ivis, but I'm going to I'm gonna be. We, we just went over the whole team. We went forwards, midfields, defense, goalkeeping. I mean, we, we just went through everything. And, like, there's a part of me that feels like maybe this team really just isn't that talented as, as we've seen a U.S. men's national team. I mean, do you, I, I kind of feel that. Do you? Because, I mean, there's holes everywhere. It's a t- but, I mean, you, <laughs> let's be realistic here. It's, it, it wasn't. Not everybody was there, right? Let's start with that. Um, Michael Bradley, who's one of the best, the first or second best player on the team, Michael Bradley wasn't there. Fabian Johnson, uh, key player, wasn't there. Uh, yeah. Joe Corona, Edgar Castillo, who provides some depth. This U.S. team is in a state of transition. That I mean, I don't think anyone can deny that. I mean, we're still trying to figure out who the center back, who the best center backs are. Yeah. The, the attack has been and midfield have been a work in progress for some time. That's not news, man. This is not I don't know why anyone at this point in time can honestly be surprised by the fact that this is a team that, that's a work in progress right now. That is clear. Um, but, um, you know, when you talk about that one game, I mean, Michael Bradley makes a big difference. Do they win that game with Michael Bradley? I'm not saying that either. They probably lose. But at least it's a little more respectable. If they have him and Fabian Johnson mm-hmm. and Hercules Gomez. I mean, Hercules yeah. Gomez didn't play in the game. Uh, he was on the bench, but he didn't play a single minute. And I, th- I found that one a little interesting. Uh, no one at U.S. soccer uh, could offer an explanation for that. But if he was hurt or if Jurgen Klinsmann was saving him for the Germany game because of the hustle. I mean, he's someone who generally starts for this U.S. team and, and, and gives you good uh, some good quality on the field. So if you if you consider if you take the U.S. team and you put Michael Bradley, Fabian Johnson, Hercules Gomez on it, um, I think you're, it's a different game. I think it's a different game. I think it's a, a much closer game. Doesn't mean the U.S. wins because hey, listen, Belgium is a strong team. Yeah. Look at their team and their team is. I mean, every position there's quality. Well, I, just I say, mean, there's, they've only given up one goal in World Cup qualifying. That's I mean, one goal. Right. I mean, there's a reason teams. these guys the, uh, on this roster and in that lineup play at some top clubs. I mean, Benson Company, Marwan Fellaini, Benteke, Lukaku. I mean, these are, you know, everyone, people, everyone knows who these people are. I mean, for Milan, um, John Bertogan. I mean, these guys are all quality players. That's a strong team. That's not to make an excuse. That's just stating the reality of the things. Now, what you can say is, okay, we get it. This Belgian team is good. But you still have to put forth a better effort. You can't have unforced errors. You can't have mental breakdowns. Because listen, if Vance on company overpowers you, if he if his just dominant physical qualities shut you down, that's different. That's you know, you chalk it up, you say, hey, he's that good. But if your touches are not there, if your passes are off, or if on the other end of the field, if you're a defender and you make bad decisions uh, with the ball that lead to goals, I mean, that's not about their quality. That's about your lack of quality. And that's what we saw on Wednesday night. We saw that a little too much. And that's why you can't really completely hide behind the, hey, Belgium's a great team thing. That's because that does explain it to a certain extent, but there were enough, there were enough signs there. There were enough examples there of the U.S. 
of of U.S. players not doing well enough. No, that's I just it's just going into games obviously against anyone. I just personally for me, I just don't feel I I'm not as you know my 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 optimism fades with every single game. I guess that's that that's how I feel. I'm, I'm <laughs> not trying to be so I, I'm not trying to be mean. I but, don't know. But but what we talked oh, about hey, the Concacaf yeah. the Concacaf region is is not going to be a cakewalk this time around. It's not going to be. Mexico oh, is, is right. down right now. They're going to turn around. I think Honduras is probably the strongest team in the Concacaf. I mean this it's not going to be a cakewalk for the U.S. and 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 I guess for me and and, and maybe for you and, and other people who watch the team, you know, it's just. I, we we just want to feel confident when we watch the team. You know what I mean? I, I feel like it's just you know it's like a, it's well, like a, listen, a well, listen. At the end of the day, just because you want your team to be good and just because you want your team to be one of the best teams in the world doesn't mean it happens. It doesn't mean you're owed that. It doesn't mean no, this I team know. should be I know. that good. They're not. They're not. That's, they're that, not that's a, what I'm saying. That's, I'm they're not as to... good as Belgium. They're not as good as Germany. Uh, does it mean they can't make me on the day if they play really well and and it's a good matchup and the other team doesn't play well that they can win? They can still beat teams. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen that uh, in the friendly they beat Mexico last year. They beat Italy last year in Italy. They beat Spain in the Confederations Cup in 09 in a matchup against a team that, hey, let's face it, more talented. Yeah, maybe but, beats but, them most of, okay, not. but most of those guys on that Spain game are, are not on the team now. I, I know, but I'm, my, the point I'm making is um, just results, you know what? Results don't, it doesn't mean that just because three years ago, four years ago, the U.S. did beat a Spain doesn't mean now that this team, because this, that, that team lost uh, games against, against top level competition too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's happened through the years. So this is not a new thing. And I don't understand how people get so crazy about, about, and I get it. I, I do. I mean, I, I, I get it on one hand because I know there's an uncertainty. There's a fear that, uh-oh, yeah. maybe, the, maybe this U.S. I, I get that. Okay, yeah. so you know what? That's fine. I, but, you know, for me, I'm more, of a real, I'm more of a realistic person. Belgium is better than anybody the U.S. will play in the hex. Anybody. Mexico, you name it, they're better, flat out. They're multiple times better than the Panama team that they're going to play in Seattle. They are multiple times better than the team they're going to play in Jamaica. It, and and that's the point of playing these games is beca- and, and it wasn't just Jurgen Klinsmann had the, one of the lines of the night after the Belgium game. Mm-hmm. He said, "I'd rather play Belgium ten times than El Salvador a hundred times because it, it just doesn't do anything for you." And he wasn't alone in that. Tim Howard said the same thing. You know, you could go play a cupcake. You could go play, you know, no offense to anybody. You could go play Granada, Guadeloupe, Haiti, or somebody like that. Luxembourg, you know, you play one of these teams and beat them five nothing, and yeah, every a lot of U.S. fans might feel good about it. But yeah, what does that do yes. for you? No, Ivis, I want to feel said, good. You know what? It's not about making you feel comfortable. It's not about making <laughs> you feel optimistic. It's about preparing a team, finding out, uh, testing a team, finding out who the real players are. That's what's going on right now, and. You're gonna have to have these games, you know. You're gonna have to 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 make an omelet. You got to break some eggs. This is that kind of game where people get found out, and people also have a chance to shine. I mean, Demarcus Beasley for me, you know, he, he did it in March, and I thought he did really well here again, getting forward, getting in the attack, and the second half he had some great moves. Uh, he he helped kind of start the play that led to the PK and the, on the U.S. second goal. I mean, that's the chance that you get a chance to see that Eddie Johnson in the second half going at people, uh, taking advantage of his minutes against Belgium, against a tough Belgium defense. You know, that that's what you want. You want to see guys step up. 
you know what? I don't care if they beat Guatemala for the hundredth time in ten years. That doesn't mean anything. But you know what? If if you can you schedule some tough games, find out who your real players are. That's going to get this U.S. team closer to having the squad it needs to really do some do something at the next World Cup. Look at you, man. Fired up. Back-to-back shows, Ivis. I, I'm loving this. We, we need more of this. More of Ivis fired <laughs> I, up. You know, I, listen, I, I'll say this. I don't want to – I'm not trying to dismiss anyone's concerns. I'm not trying to say anyone's stupid or wrong or <laughs> yes, feeling. Yes, you are. Stop it, Ivis. Because yes, uh, yes, that's you the are. thing. Some, no, listen. Some people – I know some people get uh, get upset or take offense at, at my approach to trying to explain these things and, and take give my take on it. You know what? No one has to agree with me. No one has to agree with me. I, I will say that from the beginning. Well, I'm just going to tell you my take on things, and my take comes from experience and from a lack of emotional attachment. I am not a USA fan. I am a journalist here watching these games, and I see it for what it is. I don't get too caught up in all the all the emotional, uh, you know, roller coasters of this team. You know, I try to keep keep it into perspective. And you know what? It wasn't good enough on Wednesday, but no, it doesn't mean it's the end of the world. No, no, I agree. I, I just it's just there's a lot of work that the U.S. like you said they, they still need to work on. And now going into this weekend. They're playing a Germany team that just came off a impressive victory over Ecuador. I think it was uh, Podolski had a goal in the first, what, eight seconds of that game. So uh, the U.S. is going to get a little bit stronger. Uh, they're going to have some guys coming in. Michael Bradley, like you said. Uh, Ivis, uh, they're also going to get uh, Edgar Castillo, Fabian Johnson. I think Breck Shea also comes up, Danny Williams and Joe Corona. I'm sorry, yes? Uh, Breck Shea is still, okay. from what I understand, Breck Shea is going to be out for, okay. for a little while longer. I don't think he, he's not going to be... He's not going to be at the Germany. Okay. As far I, as I know. I wasn't sure on that. I, I heard rumors or whatever the whatever people were saying. Anyways, point is, tough task again this weekend against Germany. And uh, like you said, it's going to be D.C. You're going to be at that game. Um, and what, what can the U.S. do differently in this besides bring in, start better players, I guess you could say? Well, I mean, they just need to, to uh, obviously, new players are going to get chances. This Germany game is the lineup for this Germany game is going to be considerably different. I think the center backs are going to be different. I think Fabian Johnson is going to step in and start. And who and 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 I'm not sure about Edgar Castillo. I mean, they just played uh, Thursday night. They they've just played. We're 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 recording Thursday night. They just lost uh, a heartbreaker in the Copa Libertadores. Uh, to Atletico Mineiro on a save PK that that at the very end. Uh, sorry to spoil it for people. Uh, we were going well, we will touch on it later in the show. But uh, I don't think Corona and Castillo will feature on Sunday, considering they've they've just played in Brazil on Thursday night. So they they won't be here. But I would say Fabian Johnson, Michael Bradley should be in the lineup. They should be good to go. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Hercules Gomez. I don't know if he has an, uh, like a pro, like a true injury that's keeping him out. But if he doesn't, you, you want to think he'll get a chance to get in there. I think Matt Beesler should get a chance to start, and uh, I think we could see Jeff Cameron uh, play at uh, center back. You know, I think there was something. I, I, I don't think we had to talk. Actually, it happened after last show. One of the interesting development developments out in Cleveland is mm-hmm. Jeff Cameron saying oh, we, he's no, been we, brought. We did, we did talk about that. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know what? You're right. We did talk about that. So it's funny. So he says that, and then Jurgen kind of followed up on it, and then he's and then he still played him right back. So that, I thought that was funny. So maybe we see Cameron at center back. Maybe we see Cameron Beasley center back. Maybe we see Parkhurst slash Beasley slash Fabian Johnson at right back. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think there's a lot of different ways uh, Klinsman can go. I mean, you could see Terrence Boyd start. 
I tell you what, I wouldn't, yeah. you know, that wouldn't shock me. I wouldn't say Boyd had a great game uh, coming off the bench against, uh, you know, against Belgium. But you know, think, I mean, think about what that kind of ga- think about what that game would mean to Fabian Johnson. I mean, uh, not to Fabian, to uh, Terrence Boyd, and actually to all of the German Americans. When you talk about Jermaine Jones, Fabian Johnson, uh, Terrence Boyd, those three guys who who, who are the most likely ones to start. And uh, just being on the field against the Germans, I mean, I tell you what, if I'm a U.S. fan, I want all the German-Americans on the field in the starting lineup because this is the game for them to, you know, not that I feel they need to prove themselves, uh, to prove their loyalty because, listen, they're wearing the U.S. uniform already. They've what? already loyalty? proven their loyalty. loyalty. What are you talking about? People are saying that? No. Oh, come on. Let's face it. I mean, with the whole t- – uh, Tim, Tim Chandler, unfortunately, oh has ruined God. it for all these German-Americans. People are it's, stupid if they say that. They're stupid. I know. But listen, it, you know what? Even for the players, it's going to mean something. It's going to mean. I'm telling you, Jermaine Jones. I mean, he he has you know he has said that it's it wasn't the easiest thing uh, growing up in Germany as a half black, half American, uh, black American, half German kid. You know, and it, it, so uh, well, this you know those guys want to go on that field and play and play their best against Germany. Well, this- you know they. Will this be the first time that Jones plays Germany? Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be the first chance for all these guys to to play Germany. I mean, the last time, as far as I know, the last time Germany, the U.S. played Germany was before the uh, 2006 World Cup. I should check. It's funny. I actually have about 10 U.S. national team media guides. I'm going to be giving some of these away. Uh, sending them out to to winners of uh, the contest that we did at the end of the SBI show, the last episode. Oh yeah, uh, we actually had a great uh, response to that. I, I thought I did. I honestly, man, I thought no one was going to get to the end of yeah, that show. Yeah, me too. I thought maybe only a handful of people, but I, I think we got more than fifty people tweeting tweeting us. Wow. Uh, with with you know yeah, so you know I'm gonna pick pick names out of a hat. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, thank all of the, all you for your support, and uh, we actually and thank you for all the positive comments you made. I mean, it seemed like people really loved that episode. Um, but back to the back to the point we we're making. I mean, Germany. The last time you guys played Germany, <coughs> funny enough, was in Dortmund before the 2006 World Cup. Uh, it was a chilly day. I was there actually, and the coach of Germany at the time was none other than Jurgen Klinsmann, who at the time bum, bum, was actually un. Yeah, it's interesting. At the time, Jurgen Klinsmann was facing some heat uh, because there were some concerns about the state of the German national team because of the results that they'd been getting and and whether it, it, it it's funny enough, man. A lot of the concerns that U.S. fans have now, German fans were having then about the state of the team. Are they making progress? You know, are are, are they really going to be good enough for the World Cup? Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Germany goes out and spanks the U.S. All was right with the world, and then Germany went on and, and had a great yep. uh, World Cup. They third. finished third at the World Cup. They lost in over in overtime, in extra time to Italy in an unbelievable game, one of the best games I've ever been to in my life. Um, also in Dortmund, by the way, um, same stadium, that amazing stadium, uh, Borussia Dortmund Stadium. Um, but yeah, you know, so it's, it's just funny uh, when you talk about that. Uh, the, you know, the comparisons of that German team, this U.S. team. Um, and a, a team in a bit of transition in, this, uh, in, their, in their, that uncertainty floating around. But back to the whole point, I, I tell you what, man, those German Americans are going to want to play. They're, they're going to be, they know these guys. 
They know the players that are going to be on the German team, even though it's not their A team or their full A team because of the Bayern and Dortmund players who aren't going well, to be there have, mostly. Yeah, they still have good players on their team, though. Oh, no, yeah. That team's still – hey, listen, they just smoked Ecuador down in Ecuador. Yeah. And, and we're talking about an Ecuador team that, as of right now, is one of the teams coming out of South America for World Cup qualifying. So that is a solid Ecuador team, and they toyed with them in the first half of that game, scored four goals on them. Um, so this German team, it might be a B team, but the B, it's a strong B. Oh, so yeah. absolutely. You're rolling the out, U.S. better come to play. You're rolling out Podolski on your B team. That That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, they're, they're stacked. They're stacked. So it's going to be another great test. And and you know what? The U.S. could lose. And, the, and I, I tell you what, if a bookie's putting a line on this game, they're putting Germany uh, to goal favorite probably, right? So yeah. this, as long as we get we keep it real and don't try to, you know, not, let's not kid ourselves. Germany, even with this being a B team, they're still a strong team. They're probably going to be favored in that game. Uh, but still, the challenge for the U.S. is there. The challenge for all these guys who want starting spots, who have yet to lock them up, this is your chance to shine. Whether it's Matt Beasler, whether it's Fabian Johnson, Demarcus Beasley, or even a Michael Parkhurst if he gets to nod it right back, mm-hmm. if it's Eddie Johnson, Terrence Boyd at forward. Um, all these guys, they're all going to have their chances. Um, I, I think it's going to, you're going to see a lot of guys uh, who didn't start on Wednesday start on Sunday against against Germany. And I, I tell you what, man, it, 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 I don't know which way it's, it's going to go. I mean, I, I, I think traditionally the U.S., when they have a bad loss, they circle the wagons and they put together a much better performance. Yes. Um, I, I feel like that's going to happen. But you know what? If it doesn't happen again, people shouldn't freak out. I think I think they they need to see these games for what they are. They're really tough tests to find to help us find out who the real players are. And I tell you what: if all eleven players crap the bed, then yeah, you know what? Maybe you're getting a little they nervous play. going to, down to Jamaica, uh, a place you just lost in last September. Um, but I, you know what? I don't see that happening. I think you're going to see some guys step up. Crap. I think you're going to see some guys. Uh, get step on that field in what's going to be a packed RFK stadium. It's a, it's the hundredth anniversary centennial yeah. match of U.S. soccer. Some guys are going to step up in that game. Yeah. U.S. might not win, but some guys are going to step up in that game, and that's what matters from the, this game. Not the win, not the point, not the draw or the loss. What matters is the players who step up and take advantage of the opportunity. Well, Ivis, uh, we are we are running crazy long on all this U.S. men's national team talk. Quickly, I need a prediction. I think two to one Germany. What do you think? Uh, I tell you what, I'm gonna go two two tie. I think Ooh. I think I I tell you what I think for me, I think the German Americans who do play on Sunday are gonna step up and play some great games. Yeah. I think it's gonna be a great opportunity for those guys. And I think they're going to relish it, and I think those guys are going to take full advantage of that. So I think those guys step up. I think Michael Bradley comes in and shows the quality that he has shown throughout his career mm-hmm. lately. I mean, hey, when the U.S. beat Italy in Italy, Michael Bradley was a key to that, a big key to that. Now he's back, and I think he is absolutely going to want to go out there and, and set a tone and pose himself and show that he is a top-level midfielder, folks. He's not just a good American midfielder. He is a quality international level player uh i'd say what one inter- one interesting set on, on bradley that i saw somewhere was uh you know uh, among among players in, in, in i believe the stat was among players in Serie A, with more than a thousand passes he had the third highest completion percentage in the entire league Serie A. that my friends is impressive 
that is quality. He's that good. So it's going to be great to see him back in the lineup because he helps set a tone for that team. Um, Ivis, uh, let's. I, I hate to be negative. I hate to continue talking negative, but the U twenties aren't doing so well in the Toulon tournament. Um, losing to France four to one in the opening game, and now losing to Colombia. They are owing. They're o. The two losses. I don't know why I said owing two. They're two losses. But like you said, we all need to take a chill pill and remind ourselves that this is not the World Cup World Cup team that will be going. This is just a, a preliminary tournament, but. Um, two bad losses. Uh, it's not looking good for the U.S. right there in that tournament. Well, again, th- th- you didn't go into that tournament because you wanted uh, – the point of that tournament was not about a trophy or winning that tournament. The, the, the point of that tournament, again, was to show Tab Ramos who the real players are in his team, who the guys he can count on, who the guys he should expect to be yeah. starters at the World Cup. And, uh, it, and there's, a few, there's a few caveats. There's a few things you have to – think about when you when you look at these results number one the Toulon tournament is not a u20 tournament it's it's older an older age group you you know you're talking u21s but the u.s sent a u20 team because it's a prep for the u20 world cup that's not the same thing that's not the it's not the same case for the other teams in this competition so the americans are playing older players that's number one number two you're talking about countries whose you know club seasons may be out of out of they're out of season there are more available players that are now playing professionally for these teams. When you talk about a France, um, I, th- I believe Colombia is in season, but you know they have some guys in Europe who, who are out of season and available to play in this competition. With the U.S. under twenties, you know, a quite you know several of their top guys are not there. Jose Villarreal is with LA. Luis Gill with Real Salt Lake. DeAndre Yedlin with Seattle. So you know it's not the full squad. So you take those things into account and, and and you start that that's your starting point before anything you have to realize that. Now, the US 20, under 20s that are there haven't done well at all. The first game was you don't even want to go back and and and, and you don't even want to watch it again because it was ugly. They were just completely dominated. That, that back and even heel, Cody Crop that back that? that back heel goal that that France kid had was, was oh, nasty. That was a beauty. Oh. Scorpion also, also then, on another point, I just want to say, I, I, I watched it in French commentary. I actually enjoyed French commentary, just like listening to it in the background. <laughs> I, I, I've now moved it up. I've now moved it up on my scale of foreign commentary that I like. Just I, I'd point nice. that out. I don't know if it matches up with Spanish. Spanish no, is no, still no, no, for me. You Spanish commentator is, is so is so quality. But anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, even Cody Cropper, who is you know he's the uh, he is the starter on the U twenty team, the goalkeeper. Even he had a bit of a shocker with with that spilling that one goal between his legs um, right before the half in that that first game. The Columbia game they played better. You have to say that uh, it was mu- it was a much more competitive game. They they you know they gave away the lead. They obviously you know they scored first. Uh, so from that standpoint, you're feeling good. You're like okay, the, you know this is a better response. Um, but you know again they felt they lost again. They're going to have one more chance now. They have one more game, uh, and these guys have to know that you know. This is this could be for some of these guys their absolute last chance to impress Ty Ramos mm-hmm. because to tell you what he he you know talking to Tab a few weeks ago he said that you know on that that team he figures he's going to bring about sixteen guys from that team mm-hmm. to the World Cup so there there are several guys there that have to know if I don't step it up I will not be in Turkey for the World Cup. Well, the World Cup starts on uh, June twenty first against Spain. Then they take France. Then they play France again. And in uh, Ghana, which has proven to be a thorn in the U.S. side over the last couple of years, 
Um, well, the senior team, not the U20 team. But still, though, the U.S., like you said, uh, one, they're going to have a very tough World Cup with all those teams right there. And uh, like you said, they're also missing some of their best players. The next game that they play is against the Democratic Republic of Congo. That's on um, that's on uh, Saturday. Also, if you watch the game, the game only goes to 80 minutes. So if you wonder why they blow it uh, 10 minutes early, that's also why. So uh, just want to let everyone know that because when I first saw that, I was like, what's going on? So so everyone knows now. <laughs> And those games are on B in Sport, yeah. for those of you who hadn't figured that out by now. Yes, if you have uh, Dish or, what is it, um, DirecTV, you, you have it. For us all that all have cable, we don't have it. Thank you. Um, Ivis, but we need to find some positive U.S. men's national team news, or, or just national news in general. And uh, for us to do that, we have to go all the way down to the U-17 boys. Uh, those are players that are 15 and 16 years old. They defeated... Uh, Kyrgyzstan, I probably butchered that, 11-0. to zero. So good to know that we can still spank countries worse than us. <laughs> That's a pretty small consolation. Uh, Doesn't matter. 11-0. 11-0. About... <laughs> well, I'd I tell you what. I mean, the, the, you know, the actual U-17s are not going to the World Cup now. So I think that tournament, uh, I mean, I didn't look at the roster, but I'd imagine they probably went with some younger guys. To, uh, but, you know. It's still it's still a fresh wound in, in in the U.S. psyche the fact that the U.S. seventeen the U. 17s are not going to the World Cup. So while that result is kind of a consolation for this week, it only serves to bring up the harsh reminder that yeah <laughs> that's that Emoso uh, was a failure recently. Oh man, I was what's what's going on with the national teams? Things just aren't good. It's always darkest before the dawn, my friend. Oh, I like that. That's that's good. I was you always make. I just made that up. That was original. I just made that up right now. I guarantee you've probably been saving that. Um, I was. Let's move on from all this national team talk. Uh, the last couple days have been the U.S. Open Cup. So for all of you that are fans of the uh, lower division sides, PDL, USL Pro, and NASL was your chance to stick it to all the MLS teams and. Uh, surprisingly enough three mls teams lost and of course the two teams that complain the most about it lost but uh u.s open cup um seattle lost galaxy lost denver i mean Colorado rapids lost but uh every other mls team moves on and uh you know it's u.s open cup it's always very exciting ivis i tell you what seattle and la going out uh you know when you look at that uh, at first blush when you saw that headline um you probably thought that it's a shocker but you know when you look at it closer Obviously, both these teams did not send full full strength squads no. to those games. It's still there's still upsets. There's still it still means something that those teams lost. But when you talk about a Galaxy team where Bruce Arena didn't even bother to take the trip, yeah. <laughs> Bruce Arena was like, you know what? I'll check you guys out later. You got you know I'll send I'll send someone else. I'll send I'll play golf. Uh, I'll send our B team, our C team, and, and let them let them duke it out. Um, you know. You kind of you can't be surprised then when that when you have those circumstances that you're going to have a couple of upsets, um, but you know that's going to happen. But I, I tell you what, a lot of other MLS teams did step up, uh, whether it was DC United winning PKs down two men, or the Chicago Fire uh, winning on a, the strength of a goal from yes Mike McGee in his debut for the Fire, scoring a winner. Um, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't all good news. Uh, as much as the, all the Eastern Conference teams did advance, uh, there were some bad news from one of the teams with the Columbus Crew mm-hmm. uh, losing Eddie Gavin for the season. Uh, the Columbus Dispatch is reporting as of Thursday evening that he has suffered a torn ACL. Uh, that's absolutely sh- devastating for the Crew. I mean, we're talking about a player who's been 
a regular, consistent, uh, reliable starter for them since 2006. And uh, now he's gone for more than half the year. That's a big, big blow for them. Yeah, it's it's and and a tough break for him. Um, but uh, but the next round for the U.S. Open Cup kicks off June twelfth. Uh, the only lower division team still left. Uh, real quickly, Orlando City is taking on Sporting Kansas City. That'll be interesting because Orlando City has four Sporting Kansas City players on loan. So I don't I don't know what agreement they have where they can't play or maybe not play. Uh, Chivas USA will take on Carolina Railhawks, and uh, Real Salt Lake will take on Charleston Battery. Portland Timbers first. Tampa Bay Rowdies are the only lower division teams left. All the other MLS teams moved on. Also announced this week, Roma and Michael Bradley are going to be taking on the MLS All-Stars. That's uh, that's going to be very cool to see uh, Michael Bradley against all the, uh, the MLS All-Stars. Right. It's, you know, it's not quite as glamorous an opponent as they've had recently when you talk about Manchester United or Chelsea. Uh, but I think it's an interesting one. You know, when you talk about, obviously, Michael Bradley, they've done that before where they've had a team that had a marquee American on it. Uh, they had Everton a few years back with Tim Howard in goal, and that that, that ended up uh, in, I believe it ended up in penalties, if I remember. So that was a pretty cool ending there. It is going to be great to see Michael Bradley uh, there on the field, uh, he, his his career started in MLS for the Metro Stars under his dad, Michael uh, Bob Bradley. Uh, so just to see him now uh, be such a great player in Europe, uh, I think that's going to be a nice touch. And I tell you what, one thing that you know, I don't know who the, I don't know who's going to pick the team. I don't know what. I, I, well, I guess Peter Vermees is going to pick the squad, but I don't know how, who he's going to end up picking. But I'm already, I'm, I'm going to just call it now. This is what I would love to see. I would love to see the U, the MLS All Stars with Will Johnson in the starting lineup. And I tell you what, the guy has absolutely earned it. He's playing at that level that you no I don't I don't think many people could bat an eyelash if Will Johnson is in the starting lineup for the MLS All-Stars. But to have Will Johnson, MLS All-Star, lining up against his, you know, best friend Michael Bradley for AS Roma, I think that would be a pretty great moment. So, here's hoping that that works out. Here's hoping that uh, you know, the stars align on that one because I think that that could be pretty great. And and hey, Will Johnson's earned it. He's been outstanding this year. And Ivis, uh, the winner of the sweepstakes of the first manager to get fired is El Chilis of Chivas USA. And uh, for Chivas USA, it's just a uh, another bad mark against them. And they are having an absolute shocker of a week. I mean, they first they get sued. They had two youth coaches. Yeah. Uh, sue them for discrimination. And uh, basically, uh, the word is that, you know, the owner, Jorge Vergara, um, told everyone that worked for the club that if you don't speak Spanish, you are fired or you will not have a job. Mm -hmm. And I tell you what, that's not the first time that I've heard that story. I have heard that from other people in L.A. And, you know, at the time I thought no one could honestly say that. Like, right. I mean, in this day and age, no one could be that dumb. To say that, right? I mean, that just doesn't make sense to me. Well, but I tell you what, this well, lawsuit is uh, what? Well, okay. Well, what about that Spanish club that only takes players of uh, Basque origin? I mean, that's I, not in America, my friend. I, in the United States, there are laws that uh, you know obviously protect against the, that kind of discrimination. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is it happens in other countries. That's not a new thing. I mean, whether it's yes, a- athletic uh, Bilbao is is like that. Chivas Guadalajara. In Mexico is like that. Uh, I, I think I believe Deportivo Saprisa in Costa Rica is along those same lines of Costa Ricans only. Mm-hmm. But this is America. You can't get away with that kind of stuff. Um, 
uh, because they're they're discrimination laws, and and now we have a lawsuit. So again, that's right right there. That's a black mark against Jewish USA. And then they fire El Chelis, and he he went. Let me tell you, he went out swinging. He he went to he he went. Apparently, he didn't sign any kind of uh you know agreements that he wouldn't talk because he went out uh, into the Spanish media and pretty much you know let it be known that you know he did what he could. His hands were tied behind his back. Oh yeah, of course, etc. 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 Well, no, listen, man. I, I tell you what, I would side with him on this one. I mean, it, it, it that that organization is a mess. And anyone who I honestly thinks that Chelis was the was the problem there, I, I'm sorry, I think you're mistaken. Uh, was he equipped? Like, did he know everything he needed to know to succeed in MLS? No. But who put him there? Who who put who put him in the position in the first place? And you know, if you're gonna have a, a new a new guy in MLS, someone with no MLS experience, you got to have people around him who have good experience, and they did not do that, and that's why their rosters a shambles. That's why they've traded away so many of their commodities, their valuable commodities, allocation money, draft picks, uh, DP slots, players slash. I mean, you name it. They, I feel like they they traded everything but their their practice balls. I mean, it's crazy. So I don't know what's next for that club. I mean, I, I, I mean, I know Don Garber has come out and said, yeah, you know, we're we're behind them, we're behind the owner. He, yeah. you know, we're giving him time. I don't know how much time, more time you can give them. They are an absolute disaster right now. And I feel, and I tell you what, I feel for Chivas USA fans, and because listen, they do exist. There are Chivas USA fans, and you know what? And I don't know why it bothers me, but this has become the tired predictable joke from like a small smattering of just just tasteless people is the but they don't have fans jokes and the oh their two fans are upset jokes listen folks they are supporters of a team and if you're a supporter of a team you should have some kind of like empathy you should have some respect for their plight unless you know unless you're talking about an arch rival right i mean if you're a seattle sounders fan i'm never i'm not going to tell you hey you should feel for portland timbers if they're struggling and vice versa but who who's the Chivas USA like enemy the, or or, uh, or main rival? L.A. the Galaxy. Okay, fine. If the Galaxy fans want to dance on the grave of this disaster, you go right ahead. But everyone else, like, listen, folks, feel have some compassion for these Chivas USA fans, man, because they have tied their their allegiances to just a hopeless club, and you feel for them, man. You you, you know what? At this point, uh, you you almost hope that they do get rid of Chivas USA. So these fans can move on and find something else to do because because it, it it's got to be pretty painful to follow that team. Uh, you know, I, I I as an Arizona Cardinals fan, I understand what Chivas USA fans are going through. Where your organization just sucks and the team is just horrible year after year. But let me tell you something, Chivas USA fans. When the Cardinals went to the Super Bowl, that was the greatest two weeks of my life. It could happen to you. You never know, Ivis. You never know. Uh, yeah, I'm afraid not. <laughs> You'd never I don't know. think in my lifetime we're going to see a Chiefs USA in the final. I just don't see it. <laughs> I just, personally, I don't think that team is going to exist in a year or two. Really? I really don't. What, what, do, you, that, what, that what do you put the chances that, let's just say, for example, <clears throat> uh, MLS says Chiefs USA, no thank you, Orlando City, thank you? Well, that's not how it's going to work. It's going to work where somebody from Orlando puts a call in to – Jorge Vergara and says, uh, would you be interested in selling that team that's not going anywhere? Mm. And then negotiations start, and then MLS will help make it happen. But, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think MLS can yet 
step in. As much as that seems like the common sense thing to do, but can they? You can, as well, I don't it, know. It, I don't know I what thought, they. I thought all. I, I don't know what MLS they can do. Listen, the thing is, you have to be careful of is um, what that that message sends to, to prospective owners uh-huh. and, and potential people coming in. If the league is seen as being meddlesome, too meddlesome, because I mean, at the end of the day, they're running the team badly, but. Are they, you know, are they really breaking laws here and there? I mean, apparently, yeah, with this lawsuit, it seems like something's fishy's going on. But uh, is it to the point now where the league can step in? I don't know if it, uh, I don't know if it's there yet, but it's getting close. It's getting to the point now where someone, Don Garber, or somebody at MLS has to make a call and say, "Listen, guys, this is just getting ridiculous. You gotta take this more seriously." Do you do you think that's what he says? I, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I mean, all I've heard from Don Garber is that there is words of support for that ownership group. Yeah. But, I mean, with each passing day, things get worse. Things get more embarrassing. You're getting incoherent, uh, you know, statements by the club uh, coming out left and right. It, it's not a good situation, man. And I, I feel for I feel for their fans, and I feel for, for the players who, who had been on that team for a while. I mean, when you talk about Dan Kennedy, yeah. we're talking about a guy who signed a, you know, signed a contract extension He's been on the team for a while, you know. You know, if you're him, I can't imagine what what must be going through his mind right now. Yeah, I just it's very it's I I just feel bad. Yeah, you're right for the players and for Chivas USA fans. Also, uh, Montreal Impact defeated uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps. They secured the last spot in the uh, Concacaf uh, Champions League coming up this season. The teams from MLS that are in it are San Jose Earthquakes, LA Galaxy, Houston Dynamo, Sporting Kansas City, and I just said Montreal Impact. So. Uh, congratulations to the uh, Impact for winning the Canadian Championship and uh, going to the Concacaf Champions League. Oh yeah, that's I mean it's a big that's a big result for Montreal. Uh, obviously, um, Toronto had dominated that 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 tournament for a while, but now Montreal. Uh, you know you want to see how they'll do. You know they they have a pretty good team. Um, they're you know they're doing really well. They're one of the top teams in the league right now. Uh, I, I, I'm interested to see how they balance that, how they balance uh, Champions League with the league, with MLS. Uh, and for Vancouver, you know, they, it's a disappointment for them. Uh, we're talking about a team that's struggling right now. They're near the bottom of the basement. Uh, they're near the basement in the West. Uh, and it seems like there's rumblings that, you know, is Martin Rennie in trouble? Is he in danger of being fired? Uh, he doesn't seem to think so. There's there, there's talk out of, out of Vancouver now that there's contract extension talks, which I find seem I seem to could find a little odd because I mean, what has he done to earn that at this point? I'm not saying the guy should be fired, mm-hmm. but what are you giving contract extensions for if a team's not winning? You know what I mean? Like they're not doing well. So I think that's going to be an interesting one. You got to keep an eye out. Uh, obviously, Chelis was the first to go, but it's rare. It's very it's very rare. That there's only one. So whether it's Rennie, uh, although ben he doesn't seem, think, seem to think he's in trouble, Ben Olsen. Whether it's Ben Olsen, who, I, who, yeah, Ben Olsen right now is the money line favorite to be the next to go uh, if they don't turn it around. I mean, they, you, you know, uh, you, you wonder what would have happened if they had lost that Open Cup game to Richmond. Would that have been Ben Olsen's last game? So you know, he, as we, I think we said this last show, they need to turn it around and quickly if he's going to keep his job. Yeah, they, uh, DC United, like, like, you just, you look at the results map and it is not, lots of red, lots of red. Uh, going into this weekend, 
talking about the Montreal Impact, uh, I think the game of the weekend is going to be Montreal versus Sporting Kansas City. You have two teams right there that are going to be vying for that number one spot in the East with the New York Red Bulls and Houston Dynamo for the rest of the season. We talked about that last show, how these are the four teams that are going to be up there. But Montreal versus Sporting Kansas City, uh, it's going to be a very exciting game this weekend, Ivis. Uh, what's your take on this one? You know, that's an interesting one because KC's going to obviously be without their call-ups, their international uh, players, Susie and Beesler. That's that's two big ones right there for them. So mm-hmm. uh, how do they balance that against the Montreal team where you're talking Marco DeVaio, who's, who's really playing out of his mind, um, and, the, and the midfield that they have with Justin Mapps playing well, and obviously Patrice Bernier is always a quality option. The thing with KC is they do have the depth to kind of help make up for the, the absence of Beesler when you talk about Ike Opara, who's been playing really well uh, in the past few games for, for KC. But Zussi's a different case. You know, Graham Zussi, his energy is really tough to replace if you're KC, um, even with all the different players that you can you can turn to now that you have Kai Kamara in and you have Benny Fellhaber. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. I think I, I might I might go Montreal in that one. I think just because Zussi Zussi's absence, I think I think hurts them. Yeah, I I, th- I think you're right on that. I mean, the game is in it is in uh, Kansas City, but I, I just think that Devio is just he's just on a tear right now. I mean, nine, nine goals tied with McInerney for the league uh, for the lead in the league. Excuse me. Um, I, I just I think you're right. Kansas City has the depth, but I don't know if they have the talent to, that Montreal just just has right now. Um, I will also go with Montreal in that one too, Ivis. Um, I don't. I think many. I think you'd be surprised to find many people that would have circled June first as they a very important game for the Colorado Rapids as they're taking on FC Dallas. But um, for a team like Colorado that has surprised everyone, uh, maybe not you because you knew how good these rookies were for them. Um, but they're taking on FC Dallas, uh, and um, I mean, you never know. Colorado could could come away with a big victory right here. That's a that's a tough one to call. You know, I think the Rapids have have overachieved, uh, especially with all the injuries that they had. I mean, for them to come the way come together the, the way they did, but now that they're slowly starting to get guys back, I mean, they, you have to take them seriously. FC Dallas, they, they they're you know they got the best record in the league right now, so you have to give them a lot of respect. You can't just you can't write them off. And I thought their win last week against San Jose was a you know pretty uh, pretty solid victory. Uh, it's a, it's a it, this is a tougher one to call than, than you than it should be, because it's hard to it's hard to write off the Rapids. But I have to go with FC Dallas. They they've been playing well. They're playing with confidence. Um, and even if you know they you know w- whether they have some injuries, uh, still I'm going to give them the edge just because I think they have a little more in the attacking department uh, over the Rapids. Uh, I'm going to go with the Colorado Rapids uh, in this game in an upset, Ivis. Uh, you know, uh, Mar- Martin Rivera, I- I'm, not, I'm not sure what his status is, but uh, I think if he can come back and play this weekend, I, I think the Rapids will get the victory in this. Uh, another game that I that I, uh, I-, I think would be, once again, fa- hard hard to find fans that would be, oh my gosh, New England versus L.A. on June 1st, but New England and Diego Fagundes has all of a sudden emerged as a... Uh, as a team that's not going to go quietly in the night, and uh, you, you wonder if this is a game that New England could also come away with a big victory. Well, the Revs, they put together a good, a good unbeaten streak, and you have to start um, looking at them in a bit of a different light. I mean, at the beginning of the year, they were, they, you kind of consider, you know, they were a bit of an afterthought. They were a bit of a kind of, uh, you penciled them in as an also-ran, but, you know, they really came together defensively. Uh, the addition of Juan Agadello and the 
and the emergence of, of Fagunda as, as, as a real consistent threat, uh, I think those two things have, have helped give them some, some attacking quality to balance with that, that defensive quality. Mm-hmm. And now they're a serious team. And, and um, you know, they're right there, and they're going to give the Galaxy a game. But I tell you what, man, it's tough to bet, it's tough to get, bet against L.A. Bruce Arena rested his starters. He, he kept his guys home, his main guys. And, and when you think about the way they destroyed Seattle last week, I don't know how anyone anyone bets against them. Even even with Robbie Rogers away uh, on you know, Irish national team duty, uh, they still have so many weapons there that you know I have to give a nod in what will be a close game. But I, I will give LA a nod. Yeah, I agree. I'll, I'll go with LA in that one too. I think New England will give them give them a challenge, but LA will prevail uh, in the end. For Seattle, uh, kind of a, a little bit of an interesting game. They're going to be taking on Chivas USA this weekend, and, and you wonder what type of Chivas USA team is going to come out. Are they going to be inspired and, and fired up to play, or are they going to be a team that will break very easily? Y- you wonder what you're going to get out of Chivas USA. And for Seattle, they, going into this, you're not, you, have a, you have a question mark on, on the team that you're playing, especially coming off that 4-0 to loss to LA Galaxy. I think they're going to come out hungry, and I think they're, com- they're going to come out angry. I mean, think about it. Not just the loss to LA, but to have the team eliminated from the U.S. Open Cup. We're talking about the Sounders, the three-time U.S. Open Cup champions before last week. Four-time finalists. I mean, uh, this is uncharted territory now. For the for Seattle as an MLS team, uh, for them to lose that uh, their first match of that tournament, <clears throat> they're going to come in upset. They're going to come in angry. They And, and they're going to face a Chivas USA team with a bunch of players who have no idea what is going on with their club. So I'm going to have to give the nod to Seattle in a blowout. I think it could, this one could, unless, unless Dan Kennedy has the game of his life, mm-hmm. I think Seattle's going to put up a four spot yeah, at I, least. I, and that's even without Eddie Johnson and even without Brad Evans. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Well, well, Seattle's also getting healthy, too, at the right time. and We've been talking about that. That Galaxy game was, you know, a, a little bit of a, a hiccup in the process. I, I think when, when we when we look back at the end of the season, we could just say, okay, that was, you know, a hiccup right there. They moved on from there. Um, and then another game, we you mentioned this, Mike McGee scoring his, uh, his first goal for the Chicago Fire. It was in the U.S. Open Cup, not a league game, but Chicago Fire taking on D.C. United this weekend. And uh, D.C., I mean, they, they did get that one point against Sporting Kansas City two weeks ago, but they lost against the Portland Timbers. Um, both teams are, are really struggling right now at this part of the season, but I think the Chicago Fire can get the victory over D.C. United. I'm going to have to go with the Fire. I think, I think they're poised to start a turnaround. I think, you know, when, when you look at their results, right, I mean, they, they haven't had, a, obviously, they have a losing record. They haven't had a, a ton of good results. But I would say that they've, They've had a lot of close games. They've lost a lot of close games. And and they've been missing a, a consistent goal scorer, and they've been missing a true veteran presence in the, in the middle of the defense. And now that they've added Bakari Sumari and Mike McGee, they absolutely have the two things they needed. And and I think for that reason, you have to like their chances to start turning it around. And and, and who better to do it against than the, the, you know D.C. United? Uh, the the last place team in the East um, who haven't improved, who haven't, uh, you know, other than adding uh, Niasi, who's not, I mean, he's not the difference. He's not going to turn things around there. Uh, I'm going to go with the fire. And I think Mike McGee is going to quickly, quickly become a fan favorite for the fire. You know what? I take back what I said. I'm going to go with DC United. 
There you go, man. Go ahead. I think Bill Hamid is uh, oh, yeah. with the U.S. team, so I don't think he'll be in that game. But Joe Willis is going to get the chance to to sh- show what he can do. Uh, so I am going to look forward to watching I that. think Ben Olsen finds a way to get De Rosario and Carlos Ruiz on the field at the same time, and they just light it up. And then we're talking about how they're the second coming. I think that will happen. <laughs> I tell you, that's what DC United fans are praying will happen. I, will it happen? That's uh, that's that's a bold prediction. <laughs> I, I think it will. Um, in other games this weekend, uh, Ivis, uh, Toronto's taking on Philadelphia. Uh, Toronto's really struggling. I'll, I'll go with the Union. I, I think they'll fix their mistakes they had last week, and I, I think the Union will win this week. I'm going to go with a tie. Uh, I think Toronto, I think they're due to get a result. I don't know if I can give them a win. Um, I'll tell you what, the Union really thoroughly outplayed Toronto the last time they played down in Philly, and Joe Bendix stood, stood on his head in that game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Union should be the favorites, but I, I think the, I got to go draw. I, I, don't think they I, got, go draw. I don't think they got beat that bad against Montreal last week, as everyone said. I, they, they did score three goals in that game and had lots of opportunities. They just didn't play defense, and I think if you play defense, you'll, you'll cut down on those chances. I'll go with the Union. You will go with the draw. Um, New York, Vancouver. I'll go with New York in this. New York's just, they're just the team to beat right now. Right. No, I'll give it to them. Even though Tim Cahill won't be there, they still have Henri. They still have too many other weapons. I'm just not convinced. I'm not convinced that the Whitecaps are legit. And uh, I think that that if they lose again, more questions about Rennie. Um, Especially if if it's true that, you know, their, their contract extension talks going on. If they get beat, you know, pretty bad by Henri and, and the Red Bulls, that's uh, going to make it a little tougher to kind of justify those talks. Uh, and then uh, the Houston Dynamo taking on the Columbus Crew. Houston Dynamo in the last three games have only picked up one point, and uh, they also rested one of their uh, rested all their starters in their U.S. Open Cup match. And uh, I think that they will be able to uh, defeat the Crew. Uh, I'd say the Crew losing Eddie Gavin that's huge. I think the Dynamo will put it together, and I think I think they'll win. Uh, and then uh, Real Salt Lake, San Jose. I'll take Real Salt Lake in that. I will Salt Lake, too. Um, I think San Jose's in free fall mode. Um, they just don't have it right now with the group they have. I think they need to go get uh, some help uh, and see what they need. I think they need to ring up Simon Dawkins, bring him back. I mean, not that he by himself is going to help turn things around, but mm-hmm. I think that'd be a great start. Ivis, that wraps up the uh, SBI show today. Have a safe trip down to D.C. for the game. Thanks, man. And uh, I'll, I'll tell everybody. Make sure you check out SBI as we will, uh, through, starting from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, we will have extensive, extensive coverage of the USA Germany match. We'll have multiple writers on site, and uh, we, we, we'll, we will be bringing you all the different perspectives on the action, especially on game day. So, you know, if you're wherever you are, unless you're actually at the stadium, and even if you're at the stadium, you're going to want to be on your phones or whatever it is, you're going to want to be on SBI as we provide you all the coverage. Yes, we, we usually do it on the show where Ivis goes over his starting 11, but because it's so far in advance, we didn't do that. So if you, like Ivis said, go to his website. I think on uh, probably tomorrow, the next day, you'll have your starting 11 up so everyone can see that. Uh, also, Ivis, I appreciate it when everyone gives us excellent reviews on iTunes. And as always, we always appreciate your comments, your tweets, and all that good stuff. Uh, we, we really appreciate it when you guys respond to the show. Everyone have a That's great right. day. Hey, hey, oh, before, before we forget, I, w- yes. I will remind folks, I will do the drawing. I will pu- I will try to have at least five people that I will pick uh, to send something on, uh, you know, obviously the last show. Those of you who made it to the end of the last show, which was obviously a marathon, hour and a half super show, 
uh, at the, for those who missed it at the very end of that show, I, I had I put together a little contest, and we actually had a great response to it. Uh, I got to say, I was I, I was really blown away by by the number of people who who got to the end and, and who, who you know who put put the tweets out. Uh, so I will be picking at least five uh, five people. Uh, I, I, there will be kind of one winner, one grand prize winner. I think I'm going to send a scarf, and then I'm going to I'm going to send the other four people uh, U.S. national team yearbooks, uh, media guides, which will get you know. Oh, nice. It sounds kind of cheesy, but no, I'll tell you what, if you're a U.S. Sick. fan, what? That's pretty sick. Media guides are sick. Like they're I I love. Well, I'll media tell you guides. what, if you're a U.S. fan and you want to know everything you could possibly want to know about the U.S. team, we're talking every lineup that's ever been. Cap total stats, you name it. If you're if, if you're one of those, you know, stat junkies, U.S. national team, you know, fans, super fans, you need one of these. You need one of these books because it has it all in there. And uh, I'll be sending those out. I snatched a, I snatched a bunch of them in Cleveland, uh, and uh, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah. uh, actually, I'm sure U.S. soccer is fully aware. But because yeah, uh, we'll, they listen we'll, to our uh, show. We'll, what's that? Because they listen to our show. Apparently they do. That's what I, someone told me recently. Someone, I don't think Jurgen listens to the show, but uh, you know, I think some folks over there do. So, uh, well, thank you guys. We you appreciate know. that. Yeah, thanks for listening. But uh, yeah, I'll be sending those out, and uh, we'll see if not this show, obviously, but I think we're going to try to have a few few more contests on the SBI show uh, to reward you guys who who have become our regular listeners, and we thank you uh, for making the show what it is. And again, we apologize for you know the quality wavering here and there. But oh I'll tell you my what, gosh. we're trying to why do our you, best. Why are you bringing it up now? People are going to go back and be. I'm like, not even talking about no. I'm talking about my own like my own like uh, <laughs> delivery. My own what I'm bringing to the table. I thought I th- I tell you what I thought last show. I thought I brought the I brought the heat. I brought the noise. I brought the I brought the funk. The last show. This show not so much. I feel I feel maybe I'm still tired from the drive from Cleveland. Which I tell you what, folks, was was not a great idea. Even though I personally didn't drive, um, Brian Scaretta, uh, the ace writer, the 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 man who finds every yank abroad there is to find, he was he drove he, he drove the caravan of of journalists back to Jersey. Uh, but still, that that <laughs> I do not recommend it, folks. If you can, you fly. Uh, and I, I think I'm gonna have to fly to Columbus in September after going through that. I, I will agree with your assessment on the show. I, I thought you and I were okay in the beginning, but we finished strong. That's all that matters, Ivan. You just you got to finish strong. We have to finish strong, and you know what? We just we're gonna keep trying to find that consistent level, and uh, you know what? Just so we can more and we can get more and more of you to consider us the best show there is. I know I'm that's just, our goal. That's our ultimate goal. We want every. We want you to say, you know what, American soccer podcasts, American soccer shows, shows where American soccer is the focus. SBI shows the only one you need to listen to. I, I know. I'm jazzed that that we had that many fans respond. I always assumed it was just one guy that would just listen to the show just over <laughs> and over and over. That's why I assumed. Ah, uh, yeah, nah, You know what? I, I tell you what, we're, we're putting up some pretty good numbers, and uh, the response on Twitter. Uh, I tell you, I, it, it was it was it was great. It was great. It was gratifying. And I tell you, and you know what? Because of that, I'd say in the future we're going to try to do a lot more interactive stuff on the show. I think we're going to start doing a Q and A session on the show. I think we're going to start uh, taking some questions from uh, you know via Twitter uh, to get you guys and more involved. I think that's kind of the next step for us because mm-hmm. clearly we don't have enough stuff to talk about, uh, or, or we you know we, we run out of ideas. So it'd be great to get some of your ideas and some of your, your thoughts on, on the state of American soccer and some of the questions that you have that you'd like to hear us cover. Yeah, why am I host? <laughs> well, 
Uh, I'm sorry, folks. I, I, I was trying to figure that one out myself. Yeah, so me too. That, that one, I got no answer. Persistence, I got no answer. persistence pays off, baby. It's all that matters. Ivis, this is the third take we've done for the out, and it is already the longest by triple of the other takes we did because those were long too. Um, so let's, uh, let's Third time's the charm, yeah, I know, my friend. I know. Let's, uh, let's close the show. As I said, thank you everyone we really mean it thank you for listening to the show we really appreciate all the support ivis if anyone's driving down to the game or going to the game have a safe trip to the game and enjoy it ivis enjoy it uh thanks a lot and uh for those of you going out of dc or who will be in dc uh look forward to seeing you guys out there i'll be at the uh, ao party on saturday night if oh. you're going to be there uh so if you happen to go make sure you say hi i'll be in the house so i won't have any sbi attire but uh, i'm sure if you're there and you're looking for me, I'm sure you'll find me. I- Ivis's SBI tire is his credit card. He will be buying drinks for everyone there. He told me, <laughs> he t- he told me before the show, he's like, don't tell anyone. But he's like, seriously, like anyone that comes up and says I love the show, I'm going to buy them a drink. So just tell that to Ivis. <laughs> That was that was Garrett. That was not me. Buy Ivis, uh, buy, actually, buy Ivis a couple drinks and then tell him the show is great. And then Ivis will want to reciprocate it. So that way you'll bring. Oh yeah, on the that, night. you know what? That sounds like a much better idea. <laughs> that, that, that's, uh, I think that'll. I think that could work actually. <laughs> well, Ivis, uh, have a good time at the Jack, game. Jack and Cokes. Jack and Cokes. That's the oh. drink of choice. Really, I'm, I'm a Captain Coke guy. I'm actually a beer guy. I think I, as as the hipster that I am, I enjoy, you know, craft beer from some random brewery. I gotta say, I, as sad as it sounds, I feel like eighty-five percent of all AO members in America already know that I drink I drink Jack and Cokes because I I go to all the AO parties. Those guys do a great job. You got to You know what? American Outlaws. You have to tip your cap to what they do. They don't get enough credit. Uh, not not just putting together good parties, but also just organizing everything. When when you're talking about home games, away games, the presence is always there in the stadium and it's because of those guys so uh that's why that's part of the reason why anytime they have an event and i can get to it i want to get to it and show my support because those guys deserve every bit of credit they get yeah i've been to a couple of their green parties i went to the one in dallas it was awesome with the uh, with the chapter out there well, Ivis, like i said have a good time at the game everyone thank you so much for listening to the show this is the sbi show <laughs>